Fifteen former female employees of the Washington Redskins have accused members of the team's front office of sexual and verbal harassment. This in a new report from the Washington Post. The accusations span from 2006 through 2019 and include longtime radio voice Larry Michael, also director of pro personnel Alex Santos, and his assistant Richard Mann. The latter two were recently fired and Larry Michael abruptly retired. Owner Daniel Snyder and team president Bruce Allen, they have not been accused of harassment, but some of the women said it was unlikely that Snyder and Allen did not know about the behavior. Episode 24 of the final call. As always, Andrew Fantuccio, Ben Mamaritas, and the man with the easiest name in the Zoom, Jason Snow. Guys, how are we? Doing great. What's up, Andrew? What's up, Benny? Doing well. So, I miss you guys. Know, we've all read the article. We've all heard the stories about the Washington, uh, the formerly team, formerly known as the Washington Redskins. Uh, what are, you, are your thoughts on the Washington Post article and the culture it depicts of the NFL franchise in Washington? Well, you know, first of all, I feel like the Redskins or, you know, we should just call them the Washington team now because that name is no more. But um, karma in the end will come around to you. And this is what we're seeing. And, you know, it's kind of, you know, 2020 just keeps coming blow after blow after blow. And a few years ago, a bunch of allegations were coming out with sexual harassment over the entertainment industry and movies and music and stuff like that. And there was in sports too, but I guess my naive self thought that all of that was, you know, in the past, but clearly as we read that article, I mean, it's still very real. It's still a real problem that many women are facing. And, you know, as far as Dan Snyder, there's no way that he didn't know what was going on. I mean, let's be real. He's the owner of that organization. He knows what goes on. You know, he knows who comes in, who leaves at all times. He had to know what was going on. And the way I look at it, karma comes around. And this is, it's just unfortunate that they have to go through this. And, you know, I feel for the victims. But, you know, overall, it's just kind of a a big blow for Washington. I mean, the, the story itself, I mean, left me disgusted, appalled. The, the women in the story, they had to show up, you know, day in, day out to a job that they, you know, they once dreamed of having and they ha- had it, you know, ruined because they had been made to feel unsafe by a group of men who treated the workplace more like a fraternity than they did an office. And all the men that were involved, you know, Dennis Green, Alex Santos, Richard Mann, Mitch Gershman, Larry Michael, they all held executive positions. So like you said, Ben, there's no way that Dan Snyder wasn't aware this was going on. Of course he knew. You know, it's, it wasn't the beer vendor or some random fan doing this. This would been going on for years. I mean, some of these stories go back to 2006, right? Yeah. You can't tell me in the last 13 years, Dan Snyder hadn't heard at least one complaint. Yeah, no chance. I, I kind of got the same wavelength as you, Andrew. I was... I was not not necessarily shocked because that organization has kind of a bad reputation, but even though um, the owner wasn't like didn't know about it, quote unquote. All right, you didn't know. You're you're innocent, I guess. 
but why didn't you know? Like all, all the quality owners in professional sports have a, have the idea of what's going on in their franchise. They don't hire five bad guys. Pigs, just pigs, awful people. Yeah. Like, yeah. Don't hold back. And it, he deserves, Dan Snyder deserves a lot of blame for that. That's the crime in and within itself. And I, I said this yesterday, Washington has a lot more to change than their team name. Yes. They, they, they have a lot more that they need to alter and not necessarily tweak, just overhaul, to be honest. It, like you said, Ben, it's a terrible, like no one wants to work for an organization like that, especially one that like oppresses women and it, women in sports deserve a lot more freedom and a lot more, they, they, they deserve to enjoy themselves. And I think it's like unspoken and it, it's in the media, it, media as a whole, like sports aside, it, it needs to improve dr- dramatically. You're absolutely right, Jason. You know, uh, it, we, the three of us know we're all trying to break into this industry. We're all trying to get our footing, find jobs and make a career out of this. And, it, and that's already hard enough. We all know that. But these women are coming through and they're even at more of a disadvantage because they're women. And that's really unfortunate. And I know, you know, these women work incredibly hard to get to where they were. And for, you know, just a bunch of immature, you know, selfish, piggish, uh, you know, I really don't want to swear here, but, you know, just awful guys to ruin it for them. It's just terrible. And Dan Snyder let it happen. You know, they were, you know, in the story, he, the story detailed how the uh, red, Washington's HR department was severely understaffed for years. So where were these women supposed to go? You know, so even if Dan Snyder didn't know, he was still complicit either way. He's their boss. He needs to provide an outlet so that if this does happen in his organization, even if, even if he doesn't directly know, these women or anyone who's a victim of sexual harassment or anything like that have a place to go and not feel like they're going to you know, be punished for speaking out. And I just want to say this um, to all those people listening that aren't necessarily media savvy and aren't trying to, you know, learn the ins and outs of the business. If I'm going to meet like a source per se, and I'm trying to, I'm a reporter trying to, you know, get my intellect up and break stores and things like that. If I go to say dinner with, you know, somebody who works in the organization and I'm a guy, it's, oh, he's working hard. He's trying to get to where he's going. He's, he's on top of his business. If a woman decides to do the same thing, it's, oh, she's trying to sleep her way to the top or, oh, she's going on dates. She's, you know, it's, it's an under, underlying it's double, thing. Double standard. Exactly. I, I just want to let that be clear that, you know, that doesn't go, that shouldn't go without saying. I just wanted to say that in case anyone was like, oh, women have the same opportunities as guys. No, they don't. Right. Yeah. So I, I want, in the last 20 minutes, the uh, Dan Snyder put out a statement. I'm going to read it for you guys. Uh, quote, the behavior described in yesterday's Washington Post article has no place in our franchise or society. This story has strengthened my commitment to setting a new culture and standard for our team, a process that began with the hiring of Coach Rivera earlier this, uh, earlier this year. Beth Wilkinson and her firm are empowered to do a full, unbiased investigation and make any and all requisite recommendations. Upon completion of her work, we will institute new policies and procedures and strengthen our human resources infrastructure to not only avoid these issues in the future, but also, but most importantly, create a team culture that is respectful and inclusive of all. So with that being said, how much do you trust Washington and Dan Snyder to hold themselves accountable going forward? I trust them in the sense that like, 
their backs are against the wall. Where else, what else are they going to do? They have to be at this point. And the outcry came to change their team name, you know, in these past few weeks, months. And it's just, it's basically just going to be a half, has to be an overhaul of the entire organization from Dan Snyder all the way down to, like you said, Andrew, like the janitors and the equipment guys. There just needs to be a complete overhaul. There's, they're clearly, Dan Snyder or not, it's just not being run well. And for an NFL team, an NFL franchise, you know, a storied franchise, this is a, you know, a team that has won Super Bowls, um, has great history that goes along with it. And, you know, you don't want it to be overshadowed by all this negative publicity that's been getting over the past, you know, going back years. And, you know, it's, for me, I just want to see them change everything for the better. If it has to overhaul the entire organization, fine, then so be it. Does, price should be no object here. Just overhaul everything, start fresh, start with a clean slate. Yeah, um, when, when you were reading that, that statement, Andrew, I was just like, blah, blah, blah. Because <laughs> especially in the PC world that we live in now, what else are they going to say? What, what, what else are like we're living in a world where stand-up comics can't talk about anything but like a, like a walk-in closet of what can be funny or else they're called out. So if he didn't say that, he'd get even more, you know, criticism. So yeah, it's nice, but did we really need that Washington Post article for you to, you know, see the other side? Did, right. why, why, didn't, why didn't you address this sooner? If you knew it was a problem and you didn't, if you you know, we're going to change the culture. You shouldn't need an outcry of 15 women coming out to say, you know, what happened to them for that to, you know, spur change. You know what I mean? I, it's a PC statement. It's a, yeah, blah. You're completely right, uh, Jason. You know, I, I don't think they're going to be hold themselves accountable. I mean, not unless Dan Snyder sells the team because he can't hold himself accountable. Like if you know, in that statement, he never once referenced himself. He never apologized. He never said, I, it was my fault. I let this happen. He just said, we're going to make changes, but he never said that he was part of the problem. The man is unwilling to hold, to, to stand up for his own responsibilities and take, be responsible for his own actions. He's incapable of it. The guy's a coward. I think, you know, uh, he allowed this to happen under his watch. Executive. It, these were executives in his organization that were part of his inner circle. He perpetuated this. Uh, and it's not like these guys, you know, this happened, you know, again, just last year, this is going on for almost 13 years now. Yeah. And three of the guys that were mentioned, uh, Michael Santos and man, they all left the organization in the past week. Now, that, you can't tell me that's a coincidence. Of course, like, Dan Snyder had no interest in letting those guys go until the story broke. Dan Snyder had no interest in, in changing his team's name until corporate sponsors started pulling money. The man doesn't care about anyone but himself. And now he's doing damage control through his new head coach rather than standing up like a man and acknowledging the problem. He could have done more. He didn't have to just make a, a, you know, a boilerplate statement. He could have you know, sat down in front, of, in front of a camera on TV and said, I am wrong. I was wrong. This was my fault. This is my organization. I take responsibility. That's what he could have done. It was selfish. You know, so as just an owner, not as a person, but what's your opinion of Dan Snyder as an owner? How do you think he's run the Washington NFL franchise over the last 20 years or so? 
he, he's terrible. <laughs> yeah. they're, in the, they're in the tank for the re, for a reason. They're, they're one of the worst run organizations, and that translates to how they perform on the field. They had the number two pick last year for a reason. <sighs> Washington's a football town. They should, they should attract free agents by and large. Why don't they? It's, it starts from the top. It's, I don't want to equate the two because they're, it's two completely different operations going on. But how come the New York Knicks can't get free agents? Their owner. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, why doesn't Louisville in the past dominate recruiting? The Rick Pitino story. Kind of completely different you know, stories and operations going on. But at the end of the day, people with bad reputations and bad actions at the top calling the shots. He's a, he's a terrible owner. I don't I don't know where to rank him necessarily because that's a little tacky. But he is responsible for everything that goes on. He's the owner. Yeah, I'm with you. And if he's not the worst owner in the league, he's got to be like the bottom three, five, maybe. He's he's the worst. Yeah, it's, just, and, it's not even debatable. He's the yeah. worst. I mean, stories of him having you know Washington area radio host fire for speaking ill of the team. The story from 2018 where you know this guy Gershman or was it was it Green Dennis Green who was uh, using his cheerleaders as bait to sell corporate boxes. Like just all of it was just, just, and it all happened under Snyder's watch. He let it happen. Yeah, and going back to your question, Andrew. I mean, in terms of winning, this organization hasn't seen any real playoff success in the entire tenure of Dan Snyder's reign as owner. And you know what? It's not just the team either, because like we talked about it last week, the uh, story with Trent Williams there, their own lineman. He had cancer. And he wanted to get a second opinion, and the Redskins wouldn't let him. And then you have that, and then you have, you know, a few years ago when the question of changing the Redskins' name came up around the whole Colin Kaepernick thing. And, you know, Dan Snyder stood pat and said, we're not changing the name. We're never going to change the Redskins' name. And from then on, it was just kind of like, it seems like he's being kind of socially unaware and if you're an owner and you're someone who has an executive position like that, you have to be able to read society and know what's going on. You kind of have, have to have your finger on the pulse of what's going on. And I just think he fails to do that. And that's where it starts. Yeah, uh, and that's a great point, Ben. I mean, he, the guy's out of touch. He's completely out of touch. He has no idea what his fans want. He, he's, he's greedy. He surrounds himself with you know, butt-kissing uh, yes-men. Who will do? Who will do that? And just tell him everything he wants till they're blue in the face. Uh, and he, he's completely ignorant. And his ownership has been detrimental to the Washington franchise. I mean, since he took over in 1999, the rest, the Washington has a record of 142, 186, and one. That's a winning percentage of 43 percent. And they've only made the playoffs five times. The team has a constant turnover, including nine different head coaches and 21 different starting quarterbacks. The only constant in Washington has been Dan Snyder, and the team has suffered because of him. So, should ultimately, what's the out the the fallout of this? Do you think should the league should uh, remove him as the owner of the Washington franchise at this point? They should absolutely. I think they absolutely should. As you guys were talking, I was trying to think, what good has Dan Snyder done? And I, I can't, I can't seem to muster anything up. I mean, maybe he pet a puppy yesterday or whatever, but I, I seriously can't, I can't think of any like the name change, um, the resistance to that, the, 
story yesterday. I can't the the Trent Williams story like Ben brought up. I can't wrap my head around anything good that he's done. <laughs> and translation, yeah, I mean he's not good for the league. I think the NFL would much rather have the Washington Redskins in the playoffs than not. I think that goes without saying. So I, what will get them there? It all starts from the top, and they, I, I I think the proper th- way to go is to just let them free. I mean, I kind of echo your point, Jason. And, you know, to me, it's kind of the whole situation. It's the same way I feel with James Dolan, okay? And I think, I think the league should do something. The NBA should do something about James Dolan and the Knicks. They won't because, you know, it's, you know, the Knicks are a huge brand. For whatever reason, they won't. With Dan Snyder, I mean, you have every reason in the world to, to remove him from the position that he holds. Exactly. And like, like you said... What has he done good? They went to the playoffs, like Andrew said, five times. It's just a revolving door of quarterbacks and coaches, and none of them seem to work out. You know, they kind of have a quote-unquote light at the end of the tunnel with Ron Rivera. I think he's a good coach. You know, it's, I think it's going to work out. But, I mean, man, it's, it's just not much you can do to really fix the ship that, that Dan Snyder has been piloting these in his entire tenure, I think he does need to be removed. And like you said, it starts from the top. And once that gets removed, it's kind of a huge overhaul from there. And whatever needs to be done needs to be done. But it's going to cost a lot of money, that's for sure. And, you know, I'm sure the league isn't happy about this at all. And they're going to swoop in and there'll be penalties for sure. So I'd like to think that the league would swoop in. I would like to think that the league would, you know, put their foot down and, set a precedent because that's what's really they need to set a precedent with this because i'm sure this is not the only franchise this has gone on with my problem is i think the league is going to handle it sort of how snyder's handled it all along that he's not going to act until they absolutely have to you know it, the, the league has had problems in the past handling uh reports and stories of uh, abuse of women of nfl players and owners and all that before ray rice cream hunt those guys, those story, uh, Greg Hardy, those all got swept under the rug until the stories broke, right? Dan Snyder tried sweeping this under the rug until the Washington Post story and then tried doing damage control by just distancing himself as much as he could from the story. I think that's what the NFL is going to do here. But what they should do, again, is they should step in and the owners need to force Dan Snyder out. They have to. It's, it's a bad look for the league. Uh, you're going to have a, a lot of people are furious with this. Uh, at, at this point, again, what has Dan Snyder done that's good? Nothing. And it's about time. And it shouldn't take this long for the league to have done anything. And I, I expect it's going to go on longer because they're not going to force him out. They're going to they're let him go out on his own terms. But they need to publicly say, we're kicking Dan Snyder out of the league. Sort of like what the NBA did with Donald Sterling. Yes, that's exactly what I was going to say. I was going to say it reminds me of Donald Sterling because that's exactly what happened. Adam Silver swooped in right away and said, hey, he's banned for life, you know, this, that, and the third. And, you know, going back to the, how the NFL is going to, um, like, I hope that they do. I really I really do because, you know, the Patriots are accused of maybe underinflating footballs, and they swooped in like that, okay? So if, you know, if they don't swoop in on this, it's like, where are your priorities? And I agree, Andrew. Like, the way that they handled the Ray Rice incident, the Kareem Hunt incident, they did kind of try to sweep it under the rug. Whereas if, you know, you're deflating footballs or filming sidelines, it's much more, the response is much quicker. And I think, you know, 
with the Redskins, you just got to swoop in, penalize, make sure that this is not okay. Remove Dan Snyder if you have to. I mean, we've seen it happen in the NBA with Donald Sterling. So I think, why not? I think go for it. Yeah. Uh, at this point, Dan Snyder's doing more damage to that franchise than he could ever do good. I think he's dug, he's dug himself too deep of a hole. And there's no way that franchise can survive with him still at the helm. Coming up next, after the break, we're going to get into can the Lakers survive the NBA playoffs? They've hit a couple row bumps so far in the Orlando bubble. Uh, can they hang on much longer? We'll give you our thoughts next year on the final call. Jason Snow, how are you, how are you feeling about your, uh, your favorite team's chances? My favorite team? No, my favorite my favorite team resides here in Boston. No. Oh well. Oh, okay. all, all the love oh. you give to LeBron James. Oh. Are you talking about the title favorites? Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> or the best team in the NBA? Oh, you're talking about them. Uh, it sure sounds like they're your they're your, they're your, uh, your favorite team. No, they're not my favorite team. I just, I just uh, I have a lot of respect. That's all. <laughs> I bet. How is a Celtics fan? Can you have a lot of respect for the Lakers? I know why. One word. LeBron. Yep. Right. Hey, his teams win by and large, except in the finals. So, I don't really have a counter for that. I really don't. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the, the Lakers have had a, have had a couple of uh, hiccups. I don't want to say hiccups. Uh, they've lost a couple of guys along the way heading into the bubble. Uh, Avery Bradley saying he's not coming. He's not going to be playing. Rajon Rondo broke his thumb. Uh, Dwight Howard seems to be having some issues down there. So do you think the Lakers need to be concerned about their lack of depth heading into the playoffs right now? Yes, uh, they, they should be concerned. Uh, absolutely. Whenever you get into a situation in the playoffs, you want a fully healthy squad. But that's just not the case. And I'm, I'm going to do something a little off-brand, and I'm going to you know, lay off a little bit of truth here. Rondo and Avery Bradley, right? Those are the two guys they're missing, all right? They've played on several teams the last couple of years, so they're not like they're not like must-have type of guys. Like Rondo's obviously past his prime, and Avery Bradley's not what he was here when he when he was with the Celtics, right? I'm going to say something that sounds like something Ben would say. Uh oh. If you're LeBron James and you have Anthony Davis, you you should overcome the losses of two guards that are past their prime that aren't as boom. Good. I, there it is. There I said it. If you have t- two arguably top five players in the NBA, you shouldn't be whining about two bench guards. All right, there we go. All right. But they, they need a little bit more to get over the top of the Clippers and I'm still going to pick them to win the finals, but no excuses. All right. No excuses. They, they should, they should be able to overcome this because Rondo, Rondo, they're transitional guys. They're not, if the Lakers didn't bring in Avery Bradley and Rondo, I mean, how many wins does that alter them? They're they're thirteen and one without Avery Bradley this year. They should be able to overcome it. They should. So I, I think you're downplaying the loss of Avery Bradley a little bit. No, he's not a dominant offensive player, but the, he does the little things. All the little things he does are really important to the Lakers. Uh, he's a great perimeter defender. He can shoot when he needs, but he doesn't have to have the ball in his hands. And he's a really high basketball IQ which means that the Lakers can run more lineups with LeBron on the bench and gives them more versatility. Now, without him, you don't really have another guy to fill that role. So LeBron's going to have to play a lot of extra minutes to keep things cohesive uh, in the playoffs. 
And we know LeBron's age. We know he's had some injuries in the last couple of years. Uh, can he stay healthy? I mean, he stayed healthy for most of this year. But again, in the bubble, without the family, without you know everything he would normally have at home, maybe LeBron, you know, wears down a little bit without uh, you know that depth. And this is nothing. This is nothing new to LeBron. He's always had kind of. Um, decrepit lineups going into the finals, <clears throat> partly why he's three and six. Um, but I'm going to be honest. I'm going to put this one on Kuzma. If Kuzma was living up to the potential we thought he was going to be, would we be like, oh, they need Avery Bradley. They need Avery Bradley to fill in that role. If, if Kyle Kuzma was giving you, I mean, he averaged 19 last year. If he was giving you that, you know, even if he was aver- averaging like 16 on good efficient shooting, would we be like, oh, the Lakers need a fully healthy squad. If they had a, like a legit, Big three, I don't. I don't think we'd um, go in with as much concern. Now, now Kuzma's given you about twelve points per game, and I know he's like down ten minutes per game, but I think you know that happens for a reason. He's not been consistent. He's been a little distracted. And I think you know this Avery Bradley move wouldn't be as notable if he was playing up to his last year's standards. That's all. Yeah, and um, as far as you know, Avery Bradley and Rondo, I do think they're going to miss them to an extent. You're right, Jason. I think LeBron is good enough to kind of uh, bring the best out of his players. But Avery Bradley brings that defense, that kind of scrappy, small guard that can lock up the one and two. And then you got Rondo, who you know brings the playmaking aspect into it. And as far as Kuzma, you're right. I think Kuzma this year has kind of taken a back seat. He hasn't taken that next big step like we've seen Brandon Ingram take in New Orleans or like we've seen, um, you know, even Lonzo now is starting to kind of find his footing a little bit. I don't think he's a bust. I just think he's kind of regressing a little bit this season. And, you know, to win playoff basketball, you you can't be doing that. you got to be averaging that 19, 20 points per game, especially if you're going to be down a little bit in depth. So I think LeBron's going to need all the help he can get. I think the Clippers are still going to give them a huge run for their money, you know, especially if they're going to be um, banged up. So it's going to be interesting. I still think, you know, it's not as clear as day that L.A. is going to be in the finals. But, I mean, I still think they're the favorites to be in the finals. But it's, you know, it's a little closer now. So, Ben, I, I think you just made an excellent point there, uh, especially about Kuzma. Well, actually, Jason, you're the one who brought it up first. But I'm going, to pick, I'm going to sort of go down the rabbit hole that Ben was going down there. Was that, you know, in that trade with the Pelicans for Anthony Davis, they traded Lonzo Ball. They traded Brandon Ingram. Kuzma was the guy they held on to because they thought he had the most potential. And he hasn't shown it yet. They, they didn't waste, but they gave away all this, uh, you know, these assets for a top five player. And we said, and, they, and the Lakers are basically saying to Kuzma, you're the guy that we want to hand this team to once LeBron's done, once, once he leaves. And you haven't shown you can do that yet. So there's, there's a lot of pressure on him to step up now. And as for how they match up with the Clippers, I, again, I want to go back to Avery Bradley. Not that he's a world beater or anything, but like you said, that scrappiness and that guard who can defend multiple positions, at least the one and two, and he can defend some smaller threes as well. Uh, I think without him, you, the Lakers are really going to struggle defending teams like the Clippers who have multiple guys that can shoot. You know, This was their Patrick Beverly. This was their version of him. And now how do they match up with the Clippers? How do you defend... Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Lou Williams, and Pat Beverly, all who can shoot. You know, if they go up against the Rockets, you got to worry about James Harden, Eric Gordon. Uh, 
the the Jazz, Donovan Mitchell. I mean, there's there's a lot of guys in the West that can shoot, and the Lakers aren't exactly great at defending free, uh, defending shooters. You know, they're 23rd in the league in three point attempts as for themselves, and they're 17th percent. They're 17th overall in three point percentage. So if they can't defend threes and they can't make their threes, how are they able to keep up? Yeah, one, one quick note about Kuzma. I don't want to be a revisionist in our history, though, but a lot of people prior to this year were like Tatum and Kuzma, kind of a toss-up, kind of a coin flip. I don't know which one I'd take. Now I don't even think it's close, you know? Yeah. So it, this is how I approach playoff series and kind of gauging who's favored and who's going to win, right? In the NBA especially, who has the most good players? Out of the top 10 players in the series. <laughs> wow, what, 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 what a noble concept there. I know. <laughs> But if you look at Lakers Clippers, right? You'd go. You probably go LeBron, Kawhi, Anthony Davis, Paul George. Who's that fifth? Right? I think it's Lou Williams. But it could have been Kuzma. Now, if if the Lakers have three of the top five players, they should be favored in that series, like going away. So I th- I think he's the caveat to them winning a championship. Uh, we'll we'll see how it goes. Do you think Kuzma is the guy that has to step up the most here, or with you know again with Bradley out? Who else on that Laker team can really step up and fill that void? Alex Caruso. No, I'm kidding. Honestly, yeah, <laughs> Alex Caruso. <laughs> He's like their fifth best player at this point, right? Danny Green, kind of a you know, Danny Green's more good. of a spot up guy, yeah. But yeah, Kuzma's the Kuzma's guy. I'm I'm circling with my red pen here. He he's got to give me 19 to 20 every night. Yeah, I'm with you. I think Kuzma needs to step up. I also think, you know, JaVale McGee is great on defense, but I think if he was averaging like 12 or 13, I think that would help out a lot too. And But, yeah, mostly definitely Kuzma. What do you think is going to be the uh, biggest thing? Uh, what will the Lakers' biggest challenge be inside the bubble as a team? Not who, not up in pump, but as a team, what's going to be their biggest challenge? Staying healthy. Because the second Anthony Davis goes down like he's prone to do in the playoffs, eh, it's That's LeBron. It. It's, it's the 2018 Cavs again. So we, we know how that worked out. They got to the finals because of, of my guy. But they got swept. And th- that's going to be the biggest thing. And I, I know depth is kind of a, a worrisome. And I know, Andrew, that's kind of what you're highlighting at the most. But if, if Anthony Davis gives you 20, 28 and 12 a night and LeBron gives you his usual night's work, then you, you should be able to go. But health-wise, Anthony Davis goes down. That, that's a huge concern for me. So, yeah, I, I know I'm focusing a lot on depth, and that is cause for concern. But like you said earlier, Jason, LeBron James and Anthony Davis should be enough to overcome that. They're going to have to work harder for it, but they should still be competitive and they should still dominate in the playoffs. I think their biggest – you know, challenge is going to be, are they going to be able to focus? You know, uh, I think it's caused the lack of depth is cause for concern, but these guys are going to be in that bubble for the next three and a half months. And that's not going to be easy. It won't be easy for a lot of teams, you know, and the Lakers seem to have struggled with it already. You know, they lost Bradley Rondo goes down and, you know, Dwight Howard already seemed to have problems. Remember earlier, Rondo was complaining just about the size of his room. And don't even get me started on J.R. Smith, by the way. Uh, <laughs> I, I wonder, are these guys going to be able to focus long enough for three and a half months and ignore all you know, the new changes and just focus on basketball? I, I, I know LeBron and Anthony Davis can. I'm not worried about them. But the rest of this team is going to have to step up. Yeah, the rest of the team definitely needs to step up. And like you said, I have no problem worrying about LeBron 
you know, being focused. He's probably the most focused player in the league. He'll be fine. It's the the Dwight Howards, the J.R. Smiths, especially. Deion Waiters. I, yeah, yeah, Deion Waiters. Like, can you just not eat a pot brownie on the team plane or, you know, Deion Waiters, I'm looking at you. But, um, you know, I think the focus is going to be – it's going to be more hard just because you're in this bubble, your travel is limited, um, workouts are limited. It's a different situation. And I think the Lakers, you know, they have LeBron, who's very good at adapting to new situations. Anthony Davis, when healthy, is the same thing. I think if you have those two guys, which, you know, a lot of these teams do, like the Clippers have Paul George and Kawhi, and, um, you know, you could also say Lou Will and Pat Bev. Uh, The Rockets had Westbrook until he had COVID, and then he had Harden. As long as you have those two guys that are just super focused and laser focused and ready to go, I think your t- the rest of your team kind of falls into line behind that. So as long as the Lakers stick with that, I think they'll be good. But, you know, remembering the score would be very important at this point, JR. I, I just I think this might be the toughest uh, playoffs that LeBron's ever going to have to play in. I really do. It's, it's going to take Ooh. everything – uh, it's going to take everything he has to get this team out of the West because, again, you had to compete with the Clippers, uh, the Nuggets. There are a lot of good teams out there, and the Lakers are the best team in the regular season right now, but playoff basketball is a different animal. And, again, with that lack of depth and if they can't remain focused, I have a hard time believing they're going to be able to get past the Clippers in, in, in a conference in a seven-game series, especially the Clippers team that's as well-coached as you know, this one is with Doc Rivers and Kawhi. And just, again, so many guys with playoff experience. But we're up against it here. We're running out of time for this segment. Coming up next, I'm going to tell you why I hate uh, NFL franchise tags. All right? The deadline passed last Wednesday, and I have some thoughts. You guys get to react to my thoughts next here on The Final Call. <laughs> I hate NFL franchise tags. I'm going to say it right now. I'll say it loud and proud. I will die on that hill. I hate NFL franchise tags. Let it rip, Andrew. Come on. Get a little bumpy, kids. All right. Buckle up. This one's going to go off the rails, I think. So the NFL, the idea of the franchise tag and how it's supposed to work, I'm fine with. But the way it's worked in the last few seasons, it's hurt a lot of players, and it's hurt more players than others. Uh, first of all, a, a quick rundown of this. You know, no other league has a system like the NFL's franchise tag, which allows teams to essentially just cap a player and say, we're taking him. This is our player. He's not allowed to negotiate with any other team. And it, the players already have significantly less power in, that, in the NFL. You know they don't have guaranteed contracts, which I've had you have I've mentioned here before, and I think that keeping them to only being able to exclusively negotiate with one team hurts them. And it's supposed to work just so again, teams have exclusive rights in order to, so that they can negotiate long-term deals while they're on the tag. But recently, we haven't seen a lot of extensions. We've seen a lot more players just playing that on that one-year tag. And only two players in the last year from this year out of 15 that were tagged signed long-term extensions. And those extensions came in like the lat in like the final minutes before the deadline, Derek Henry and the Titans and Chris Jones and the chiefs. But we've seen a lot of players be really upset with this tag. Yannick and Gakwe with the, with the uh, Jaguars, uh, 
Dak Prescott and the uh, Cowboys. We've covered that multiple times. And I just think it's completely unfair to these players. It, you know, it eliminates the idea of a free market. It really does, which is what free agency is supposed to be. It keeps the players from reaching free agency in their primes, which could imprison them with teams that they don't necessarily want to be with and shorten their money-making window. It's, I think it's a terrible system. It doesn't work how it's supposed to. I think teams take advantage of it, and I, I think it's just unnecessarily, unnecessarily unfair for the players. It is, it is unfair for the players because ultimately – if without it, you'd probably see a lot more of a free agency like the NBA's where, you know, player mobility, players move. And ultimately, I agree with that, and I think it's great. But maybe I'm just recency biased, and I do – I'm not not as crazy about it as I once was. And, and Dak Prescott is my example, right? Dak Prescott is a the – and Tannehill is this too. He's the franchise tag quarterback, all right? He, he's good. He'll, he'll get you a decent regular season record, 500, but ultimately at the end of the day, he can go either way. Like he's probably not going to win you a Super Bowl, but he's good enough to get you to the playoffs once every like three years, right? He's, he's good enough. That's a franchise tag quarterback. Um, and ultimately, I, I just lead back to the Dak thing where I'm more comfortable giving him a one-year deal than I am a four-year deal, right? Because then I'm trapped. I'm gonna, I'm, the Derrick Henry thing, I, I thought it was kind of a slap in the face from the Titans to say, you know, we're going to pay Tannehill long-term, but not you. But now that they've given it to him, I, I like it because he's a running back and he hasn't missed – he's missed two games in his whole career. And so I, I'm, I'm fine with that. I know I'm a little hyper on running back contracts. I'm, I'm usually not, you know, wanting to give them four or five-year deals. But Henry, I'm cool with it. He's missed two games. That's a trend. He's good. Franchise tag overall, though, it, I think it's a case-to-case thing, and ultimately I don't have this umbrella take on it. I think it's a player-to-player thing that I have an opinion on. I, yeah, I think my oh, – oh, sorry, ahead. Ben. Go, go ahead. No, you. I, I had my rant moment. Oh, no, because I was just going to kind of – I agree that it's a um, – it is definitely a case-by-case thing. There are certain oh, players I would be okay with – I'd be okay with tagging, like, I would not give, like you said, I would not give Dak Prescott a four-year deal over a one-year deal. I just wouldn't. I wouldn't want to be trapped. But like Derrick Henry, sure. Derrick Henry to me is Jim Brown, okay? And, you know, that sounds... Whoa. Okay. Oh, no, keep going. Keep going. Well, explain. Hear me out. He's big. He's strong. People just bounce off him. You have all pro safeties just bouncing off of him. I mean, he's just hard to take down. And... A guy like that, you'd expect to get injured like very often. And as Jason said, he's missed, what, two games? So, you know, he's a very rare breed of running back that, you know, a lot of teams just don't have. And someone like that, their value cannot be understated. So I would give him all the money. Tannehill is the one I would tag. Now, I don't really know why teams don't give guaranteed money either. That's kind of my own gripe because – Football is the most violent sport. Football is the sport where, like, you want guaranteed money. You want that security because if you have one injury, your career is never the same. I mean, the average uh, life expectancy in the NFL is four years. And it's like, you know, that a lot of players come out of playing without any real financial security. So the fact they don't do guaranteed contracts kind of baffles me, but that's my own little rant. But, yeah, I just think the franchise tag is, is case by case. But yeah, I, I'm with you though on why you hate it. So, 
you're saying it's case by case and you're right because the franchise tag helps certain players more than others, specifically quarterbacks. Yes. We've seen it. Guys like Dak Prescott and Kirk Cousins get to be paid like the top quarterback in the league for a year when their talent says they're probably more middle of the pack. But it also hurts players, say, like top-level tight ends, right? Players like Rob Gronkowski in his prime or Jimmy Graham when he was tagged by the Saints a couple of years ago, Right. These guys were the best receivers on their team and were putting up more production than all other pass catchers on their, on their team, but were being paid you know, nowhere near the level they should have been. So it hurts those types of players. It hurts running backs, top running backs who have uh, great production in our bell cows like Derrick Henry, but they don't get you know, anywhere close to what they probably are worth because they're a running back or because they're a tight end or you're a linebacker. But positions like quarterback, offensive tackle corner wide receiver they get paid top dollar when you're when you might be more just kind of like you know average and that's where we get the idea of a premium position from because the cap says what's a premium position it's those four quarterback receiver corner offensive tackle but i i don't i don't think i just don't think it's fair players be paid what they're worth not based on on an average at the same time andrew if 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 the franchise tag wasn't a thing, right, and players had just like this linear contract ex- expiration thing, at the end of the deal, we, we renegotiate and you hit free agency, right? If a team's not willing to go, and I know they do it on purpose to save themselves some years, but if they're not willing to give them a two-year deal or a three-year deal, like why? I don't know. I feel like they would just give them one-year deals anyway. No, right, maybe I'm and, just. But then the play, But the thing is, with the franchise tag, the player has no say of whether or not, you know, he can accept it. He, like he has no choice; he has to accept it, right? At least with the, you know, if they just they're just offered a one year deal, the player can say no, right? Make me a better offer. That's the point. It's, it's, it negates the idea of a free market. Players have no choice; they don't get to say, "I want this money for this amount of years." Uh, with this, with these benefits and this, these types of incentives, the players just say, "No, we're tagging you. You have, you are exclusive to us. You can't negotiate with any other team. You can't seek out a better deal. This is what you'll be paid, whether whether or not you like it." And that's like, how would you feel like if you, if you had a chance to negotiate some type of contract with someone else, but your job or your employer or whoever puts exclusive, you gives them exclusive rights to you. That's not right. That's not fair. That's it, there's no free market. That's not free agency. Yeah, I see your point. All right, I was just, I just, that was my one question. That's all. All right. Hey, Andrew was right as he always is. Anyways, uh-huh. for yeah, Ben Mamrita, the first time in a while. Uh, who predicted Cam Newton to the Patriots? Sometimes oh, it happens. one. Yeah, one time. One time. Who Sometimes called that? Ah, I'm not gonna. All right, fine. But for Ben Mamrita, for Jason Snow, <laughs> uh, you've been listening to the final call here on Radio Massasoit. Some kind of way out of here Say the joker to the thief There's too much confusion